As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to a bonus edition of the Rabona podcast. I'm Ryan Hun. Unfortunately, we couldn't all get into the studio today, but I'm going to be joined by Musa Okwonga on the phone very shortly to discuss Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being announced as the new permanent manager at Manchester United. We're also going to talk about Women's Champions League. The quarterfinal second legs took place this week. Musa was at Wolfsburg to see Wolfsburg against Lyon and maybe a couple of other bits. So I'm joined on the phone by our very own Musa Okwonga. Hey, dude. Hey, how's it going? I'm all right. How are you? I'm a little bit under the weather, actually, but. Oh, you should have come to Wolfsburg last night, dude. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to, just, uh, yeah, Musa was at Wolfsburg, Leon last night. I tried to go, but my accreditation got rejected because the press box was oversubscribed. Oh, no. But I suppose that's good. It's good that there's so much interest in it. It is. It was a sold out crowd, four and a half thousand. Let's talk about your beloved Manchester United have announced today that um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will get a three year deal starting at the beginning of next season. Yeah. What do you reckon? <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to be that guy. Okay, do you know what? It is absolutely amazing what he's done at United. But the, the feeling I've got right now, and that sounds really awful. You know, when you started seeing someone really new and you're really excited about the new relationship, but there's all the baggage from the old ones that makes you doubt yourself. Yeah, I feel like that with this deal. I feel like in my gut, I mean, there's a guy, Richard Can, who writes a Red Voices. They've got a great podcast, actually, um, Red Voices about Manchester United. And Richard Can basically and I, I think, have the same view. Like, we're just a bit anxious that the deal has happened so soon because obviously Solskjaer's had a brilliant start and there's been this incredible surge in the confidence of all the players and they seem really happy with it. My one fear is, have we jumped too soon? Yeah, I mean, I found the timing of it a little odd. It's strange because since he's taken over, United have the best record in the Premier League. Right. However, the season is far from over. Right. And I wonder whether United tying themselves into this deal now you know, say, for example, United just nosedive the rest of the season, finish a long way off the top four and yeah. end the season poorly. I mean, mm. this is hypothetical, but I wonder then, have they not learned from the deals given to someone like Moyes? 
where they were tied in and they're still paying and whether some of that goodwill might have been eroded a little bit by then that's, already. Well, that, that's the fear, isn't it? I mean, you look at the way that we lost to Wolves, for example, and we looked very short of ideas. And, you know, it, it's one game I know, but the way we beat by Arsenal, we had a lack of nous there as well. I don't want to be the doomsayer. Do you know what I mean? I, I really, all I'm saying is that I am someone, you know, you, you can hear from the podcast I've been on before, I'm very enthusiastic about the way things have gone. So if I was Solskjaer, who wouldn't be? But I also have that thing where my gut, and my gut is not always right, of course, because <laughs> many, of your, many of my exes will tell you my gut feelings are not the best. But There's a lot, you know, of, re- there's a lot of relationship references getting dropped well, here. Is, is everything so, all right? Yeah, because it's so personal. Because <laughs> your relationship with your club is so personal, and it's not just a question of economics and balance sheet it's about instinct and about feeling and my instinct is you know right manager deal at the wrong time that's my gut feeling with this and i just wonder if you know if we had no deal for Solskjaer announced but just gone to the end of the season with a tacit understanding he would be the manager and behind the scenes the sense he would be the manager but not really announced it it just would maintain that competitive tension and momentum until the end of the season. Well, this is something that we've spoke about before. And I mean, I guess we're going to now see the results of that play out where there was always a suspicion that the renewed kind of good energy and goodwill around Manchester United and good feeling was partly down to the fact that this was always seen as some kind of temporary position for Solskjaer. Right. Right. Now that's been formalised into a long-term deal, there's no get out now we'll see the true you know the true face of this leadership now now there's a sense of continuity i mean look let's look at the benefits as well the benefits are that any player looking to come to united will know Solskjaer will be in charge and will know they are coming to a club where the players are really happy you know there is a much better mood around the ground now but also that he will give young players a chance and also players without that big reputation a chance so if you're a young player now looking at manchester united you'd be like i'll get games if i go there mm. And that has to be a huge attraction for any, you know, for any young player in Europe looking now must be like, if I get in and make a good name for myself, I'm doing it. Yeah, there's a tendency with appointments like this to use experience or as a as a kind of like a, a tool to bash the manager with, you know, I mean, we've seen it on numerous occasions. I think the main two will probably be Zidane and Guardiola. Right. However, their track record speaks for themselves. And I think right. that... There are similarities with Solskjaer. On a positive side, there's similarities with Solskjaer at United as there are with mm. um, Zidane and Guardiola. The only difference being that you know Solskjaer's top-level experience came from Cardiff, which didn't go so well, and then obviously Mulder, where he was really successful, whereas Zidane and Guardiola weren't managing senior teams before they took right. charge. So there's a little bit of a difference, but there is a potentially high, really high ceiling here for Manchester United and for Solskjaer. And it is still maybe a little bit of a free hit, but less of a free hit now that they've tied him into this deal so soon. So I think that... Can I say as well, it's absolutely remarkable that we're having this conversation at all. And that's a testament to the job that he's done. The fact that this is even a conversation about was this the right timing, as opposed to, no, we should not give him the job at all. And I suppose one thing I want to say really is that at this point, they had to give him the job because he'd done such an incredible job in a short space of time created such a good feeling that if he hadn't got the job there would always be a sense of what if yeah and in a, in a funny kind of way this appointment works perfectly for everyone because it works perfectly for spurs they get pochettino for another season in the new stadium spurs get to like work with pochettino in that stadium for hopefully another year um united get a manager that everyone's happy with and right now i think united fans frankly are just happy to have their club back again 
The one concern is over the hiring policy because we still need a director of football. And I wonder if the euphoria over this appointment will stop Woodward putting the structures in place the club needs in the long term. Well, actually, this is where I think that this appointment might change certain things for United because their um, their strategy over the last few years post Alex Ferguson has just been to spend, basically. Right. And they've um, massively overlooked other areas of the club that desperately need restructuring. And I think the one thing that actually is really, well, it's not the one thing, but a thing that is really positive about the Solskjaer appointment on a permanent basis is that I think he would rather there be more emphasis on structure and bringing through youth players and creating more of a, a holistic approach, if you like, as opposed to just going out and signing players for 100 million euros. Exactly right. Exactly right. And I think Solskjaer is someone who understands the needs of the squad. He's not naive. I, I do hope we make strength, that we make sort of stronger signings in midfield and defence. And I think attack actually is fairly fine. But I do trust him in the, in the short term and the short to medium term to get the signings right. Mm. But yeah, you know, Fingers crossed, quite frankly. Like I said, I don't want to be negative about this. I just have that sort of slight concern about starting a new venture and throwing yourself, throwing a weight behind it. United must have got inklings that um, anyone else that they were thinking about bringing in over Solskjaer just weren't available, So, which is why they've moved now, I imagine. To yes, and that's a very good point. It wouldn't have been as exciting a signing. Like to bring <clears> someone in, realistically, the only two managers that could come in at this point, actually, even one, I mean, Pochettino, I'm not sure else it would have been available, but even Pochettino, frankly, things seem to have called in that direction recently. And I just think with the way that Solskjaer has come in, it, they would have been underwhelmed. And also, to be honest, I think that the longer this, this has gone on, the clearer it's been that actually I don't think Pochettino wanted to go. And obviously, you'd never know. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone's a winner. Deep down, everyone's a winner, aren't they? Solskjaer's got what he wants. United have got what they want. Spurs have got what they want. And Pochettino's got what he wants. I just think everyone's happy at this point. Yeah. So I suppose what next? Is there anything that is going to derail this seemingly never-ending wave of goodwill around United at the moment? Oh, it's football. It's football. There's always something to derail. Listen, if you really want to get into it, Wolves derailed it. I mean, yeah, true. You know, wolves. Wolves were a really good chance to advance and win a win a trophy, and we blew it. Unfortunately, that's a cautionary tale. United have to still get into the top four for the Champions League, I think, because that will help attract signings. You know, truly elite signings. So there's a banana skin in order there. Um, there's a lot of challenges ahead of United. There's a lot of challenges. So, and if you look at Chelsea now, Chelsea have had squad problems, but now their squad players are now playing really well at international level. So you know. <laughs> United have got their work cut out to finish top four. I think everyone yep. has, to be honest. I think that even potentially, although I don't think they'll be dragged into it, but you know, Spurs need to start playing well again. Arsenal are by no means nailed on. Chelsea are there and United are there. So I think it is two, it's definitely two from four. I think. Spurs are such a Champions League dark horse, by the way. They are such a Champions League dark horse. Well, yeah, maybe. That, maybe. Yeah. I think this might be where their focus is going to lie. I mean, actually, on United, you know, I think uh, they've they've got a massive free hit in the Champions League because no one's going to expect them to go through against Barcelona. And, no, no, no. And people wouldn't have expected them to even be in this position to play Barcelona. Right, right. Um, so I, I, think that's that's a, I think that's a win-win, really. I can't. I can't see United. I mean, I don't sound negative. God, I'm so negative today. You I are. What's see... wrong with you? You're so chipper. I just. I think I'm sad that Wolfsburg lost to Leon last night. All right. Well, yeah. Again, we'll get onto that in a little bit. But yeah, I'm just sad. I'm sad because they were so good. They were so good, and they they almost they had them on the run. But anyway, that's another story. So, anything else to add on the Solskjaer 
biz. I mean, it looks like Mike Phelan's going to stay, although they've not announced yeah, that yeah, yet. Yeah, it, it does. Do you know what it is? I'm going to sound like a bit of a curmudgeon as well. Just United have had ownership issues with Glazers, and the Solskjaer appointment does put a bit of a gloss over that. And I just, I'm just a bit nervous about the ownership structure. They've taken a lot of money out of the club and haven't put that much in, you know, in terms of systemic investment over time with a proper structure, directed football structure. So that's just the sort of the cautionary tale. But overall, I am very positive. I am very positive. And I'm glad that the players are happy. I'm glad that Solskjaer is happy. And frankly, the match-going fans are happy because they've had to put up week in, week out with a lot of uh, substandard football and exciting football over the years. So I'm glad for them. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, a massive positive from a United point of view is I think it's very hard. We're seeing it nowadays. It's very, very difficult for fans of clubs operating at the level that Manchester United are to feel as connected to those clubs as they used to back in the day. And I think the one thing that you can't really put a price on at the moment is how much more connected to Manchester United, Manchester United fans seem to be under Solskjaer. And, Absolutely right. You know, David Moyes was had never played for Manchester United and was never linked with Manchester United really until he took over. Right. Um, the same for Van Gaal, the same for Mourinho. Well, I mean, Mourinho was a little bit different because he was rumoured to take over after Ferguson. But again, no real history yeah. with Manchester United. And you've got a guy there now who, like we said, he scored one of the most important goals in Manchester United's history. Um, has already kind of trained at the at youth level there with some of the players that are in that squad now. A senior level and mm. seems to have um, this aura around him you know you've seen him with players like Rashford that that amazing picture when they were was it in yeah, Dubai just when he's describing his goal in the Champions League final yeah you yeah, know he it is totally like, like it's it's like story yeah. time sit down kids it's, let me tell you something it's let the me... intangibles isn't it I think yeah. that's the really important thing the point you're making there which is really vital like in terms of intangibles this is the best emotional signing that Ed Woodward has made at United. It's yeah, I mean, it's a PR winner. Point. It's a PR winner. It is, it is, it is. But we've had other PR winners before. Van Hal was a PR winner. But this is different. This is actually, on an emotional level and on a PR level, it's right. Mm. And that, I think, is it's the thing. It's right. Maybe that is right for right now. It's what United need right now. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's exciting times. I mean, Manchester United have Watford at home on Saturday. Yeah. So a yeah. big win there. And um, top, and top it'll be, Watford, but yeah, we should come through that. And then you're that. away, you're away and running. Going to win the Champions League. Oh, going to win the Champions League. <laughs> Amazing. Right, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk your beloved Wolfsburg. Sure thing, <laughs> poor Wolfsburg. All right, back from the break. It was a big week for the Women's Champions League. The yep. quarterfinal second legs were decided. Uh, you were at Wolfsburg, Leon. I love it. I love it so much. So I was, I was over there. So um, the connection was that I did some music. I did some work for uh, the Bundesliga a while back. And they were very kind. They're like, look, one of the clubs reached out, Wolfsburg. I said, you want to come along to this game? Because um, you like what you're up to. So I went along and had the most wonderful day away in Wolfsburg. There's a, they've got one of the best galleries, actually, one of the best art museums in the whole of Europe. So I went there before the match. So it took a bit of culture. Mm. And then the did Wolfsburg you wear your, uh, Did really you wear lovely. your roll neck sweater? Actually, you'd be, yeah, I did actually have a bit of a turtleneck going up, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Busted. But the game itself, fascinating. Um, Leon, you know, there's a reason they are multiple defending champ, uh, Champions League uh, winners. Um, I think this will be their fourth straight Champions League if they win. Mm. They were two and up from the first leg, then went quickly up through a goal from Lucy Bronze, and they went 
They were 2-0 up at half-time, 4-1 up in aggregate. Yeah, Wendy Renard, Wendy Renard got the penalty right. Who was our midweek Rabona selects? Wendy Renard. She was, and a terrific, a terrific performance from her over both legs. She is immense. She is, I think... What a player. What um, a player. I mean, it's quite easy because she's quite tall. It's, she stands out quite a lot as it is. And I think that it would be very easy just to assume, oh, this is a there's a really, really tall person playing in defence. But the way she strokes the, the she ball around, out. oh yeah, my God. In the back. She's amazing. Unbelievable. And the thing about Leon was so fascinating. So two very quick goals from Wolfsburg in the second half. And they were rattled. I was at 55 minutes in, into the game. And I said to my mate, I was like, look, if Leon just don't concede in the next five minutes, they don't get sucker punched, they could win the whole thing. And what happens in the next five minutes? Leon sucker punched them. And it was funny because the Wolfsburg left back was actually very conservative almost the entire match. And both of the um, Wolfsburg goals came down the left. And so when they pushed forward, they actually started scoring. But of course, the second they pushed forward, Leon pounced. Well, I mean, this and is the thing. It was brutal, the, absolutely brutal. I mean, Penilla Harder got both goals. Who's? Yeah. I mean, she was. She's probably the her movement. My goodness. You know, her Ada Hagerberg, arguably the two best players in the world, both playing on the pitch. Mm. Two in four minutes, and then a few minutes later, that was the killer goal. I think when Leon got that goal on after the, after an hour, and that just meant Wolfsburg needed another three. I think. After. Yeah, exactly. And you could see the mood just, the mood died. I mean, the atmosphere was superb. I think 4,500 is the first time that the the, the crowd, the, the, um, the stadium's been sold out mm. at Wolfsburg. And so, then, it's the world's top pound on the spade, the best team. I mean, also the top of the German league, best team in Germany, best team in France. And it was, I just, you know, the reason I'm so thrilled about it was it was just such a treat to witness that. You know, to see that up close, to see football of that quality, I mean, for eight euros. Eight euros entry, and I mean, we got the complimentaries, but it would have been eight euros if we had gone if we just paid for it on the market, open market. Um, so I'm really excited now because Wolfsburg are playing Potsdam in early May, and that will be a big game because I think Potsdam are fourth and Wolfsburg are top, just ahead of uh, Bayern and goal difference. But I've got to say to anybody, if you get a chance to check out the German women's Bundesliga, it's an absolute treat. It's the quality of the football is. It's something else. Yeah, there was a really good interview this week with Alexandra Pop. I think it was for Deutsche Welle. And she was saying that, you know, despite Wolfsburg being the top team in the Frauen Bundesliga, they still look to Lyon as an example and they have a lot to learn. So, you know, Lyon uh, training the same facilities as the men. It's all very kind of on par in a lot of aspects. And you see that a lot, I think, with just how much ahead of a lot of the competition they are. Whereas Wolfsburg, it's not quite there yet. The Leon travelling support was absolutely superb. And what I will say as well is what was fascinating about the game was just the great number of men that were watching. That was fantastic. So you had, I went to the Women's Champions League final uh, when Frankfurt played PSG here in Berlin mm. in 2015. The demographic there was so much different here. I would say you know, the gender split, there were so many more men than there were at the Women's Champions League final in 2015. And that's so great to see because the game was just growing organically in the age range. The diversity of the crowd, I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah, in the other games, um, Bayern went through against Slavia Prague after drawing 1-1 in the first leg. They won 5-1. They are joint top or second on goal difference to Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. So they managed to avoid each other in the second, in the, in the semi-final, sorry, because the draw was made and it's Bayern are going to play, play in Barcelona who went through, they won 1-0, Leaky Martins. They were already 3-0 up from the first leg, I think, against LSK. 
So it's going to be Bayern, Barcelona and Leon are going to play Chelsea, who yeah, got a results. 91st minute goal, which meant they lost the game 2-1, but they went through 3-2 on aggregate. That game actually, because I, I watched, I switched over to that after the Wolfsburg game. The atmosphere at that game was amazing. There was like, the you're talking about the travelling Leon support, but the, the PSG yeah. fans, I mean, there was some trouble last week against Chelsea. There was some arrests and stuff like that from the PSG Ultras. I think actually they were an ultra group that was banned from the men's games. I came um, to the women's home, my God. And, um, yeah. But uh, Emma Hayes, the Chelsea manager, was, was crediting the, the PSG fans after the game and saying how intimidating they made it for them. And... Um, she seemed really happy. I mean, obviously she was going to be happy, but she said it was the biggest result in Chelsea women's history last night. Of course. What's amazing, you see that goal again, anyone that watches that winner, the late winner, the timing of the run, it's, it's one of those classic ones where the balls get whips in from the, from the left-hand side. It was a slight sort of um, an in-swinger. But her run, Mielda's run, was absolutely outstanding. Mm. Um, it was actually quite a sort of Gary Lineker-type run. You know those sort of like the far posts when you attack space as opposed to attack the ball? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, good week for Chelsea the only English team left in the Champions League one French one Spanish one English one German in the in the semi-finals I quite like that it's a nice split I mean that's that's quite traditional isn't it that's like old school European Cup yeah I mean call me call me a bit of an old man but I do love the idea of four countries all squaring off preferably actually all champions but you know you can't, you can't have everything yeah, but yeah four, four countries squaring off that's how it should be I think. Uh, in other news before we go before we wrap um, we were going to talk about England Montenegro and the racial abuse that took place and the reaction to it from players and from Gareth Southgate but I would rather do that when we're all here because I think it's more of an important topic to cover in some detail a bit of a, bit of a deep dive absolutely um, yeah, I agree, I agree. but um, yeah good win for England on the pitch anyway and football wise all things rosy Raheem Sterling just going for fun at this point isn't he I find it very interesting and slightly amusing the the turnaround of the perception of Raheem Sterling. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's it is very, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's it's... become he's become a good immigrant now. Become... <laughs> Come on, I have to say it. There you go. Who will plug yeah, for the he's book? Become, he's become the good Im- what book? Oh, there's there's a book called The Good Immigrant. Hey, the Good Immigrant <laughs> USA just just out now as well. It is. It is. You cheered me up. So you cheered me up. Now, now you let me plug my own products. Now you've let me sink into capitalist mode. Well, speaking um, of uh, plugging your own products, I want to plug something that you are involved with. So uh, my copy of issue two of Caricom arrived this week, oh, which features an essay from our very own Musa Agwonga. Oh, thanks, mate. Thanks. Well, I, but Callum, Callum, who edits that, is an amazing guy, and he asked me to do a piece. It was an absolute honour. I wrote a piece about when I first played for Stonewall Football Club, which is a queer football team. Um, when I came out as bisexual, um, it was very difficult moving to London. I wasn't aware of the queer scene, so I thought, you know, best thing, start a football team, meet some friends there. And we went on a winning run. We won our first seven matches, um, and it was an incredible experience, and it was the kind of the beginning of the rest of my life. So, yeah, shout out to Karen Com, shout out to Stonewall Football Club, and thank you, Ryan, for mentioning that. Yeah, no worries. I mean, for those who don't know about Caricom, it is a, I think it's a very crucial magazine. And it's where the football and the UK black experience kind of intersects. And um, issue two is brilliant. It's brilliant and it's important. And yeah, big up Cal Jacobs, Callum Jacobs, who has put a lot of uh, lot of hard work into this. And um, yeah. 
it's uh it's it's brilliant i'd recommend people picking one up you can go to caricom so c-a-r-i-c-o-m.uk forward slash shop pick up the latest issue it's brilliant it's got moose's essay in it recommend it and um i reckon that's it huh all good yeah yeah we're you done, need to run huh? can i just say thank you so much ryan for grabbing grabbing me in for the podcast because it's, it's so good to get on top of this stuff there's so much changing but also quickly i fired out the rabona signal to the clouds yeah, exactly. <laughs> Michael unfortunately couldn't make it, but yeah. So we'll hopefully we'll all be together on Monday. Absolutely, I look forward to seeing you. I'm going to probably talk about Spurs Liverpool, or is it Liverpool Spurs? But it's at Liverpool, isn't it? Because um... oh, lovely. Yeah, I look forward to it. All right, man. Well, uh, yeah, we'll catch you Monday. Thank you so much. Cool, man. Yeah, catch you soon. Cheers, mate. Bye. And that's about all we've got time for on this bonus edition of the Rabona Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, you can check us on all social media channels at Rabonamag. We'll be back on Monday with a normal podcast. Enjoy the weekend. Take it easy. Bye. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.